Kia ora. Welcome to this episode of the Windows on Dementia podcast. My name is Harriet, and today I'll be talking to Kate DeGoldi, one of New Zealand's most loved authors, one whose work engages children, teenagers and adults alike. Kate is also one of the four out of five New Zealanders who have been affected by dementia. Both her parents and her grandmother had dementia, a journey which led Kate to become one of Alzheimer's New Zealand's champions for dementia. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Kia ora, Kate. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Kia ora, Harry. It's a real pleasure to be able to talk to you. I was wondering, could you tell us a bit about why you decided to become a champion for dementia? I had had, um, quite near that time, this must be three or four years ago now, um, a pretty profound experience of Alzheimer's in the family with both my parents having Alzheimer's. And... We, in the initial stages, when I say we, my sisters and I, um, we're most grateful for assistance from the Alzheimer's Association in Christchurch at the time. And um, it was, we we knew quite a lot about dementia because there'd been quite a bit of it in our family, Um, grandparents, great aunts, our grandmother, maternal grandmother. So it wasn't totally unknown territory, but what we didn't really know was how to navigate the period, which was quite a prolonged period, between things starting to get pretty out of control for my parents and getting them help and care. And Alzheimer's were enormously supportive around that. There was just interesting, good document doc, documentation about the disease and um, advice. And just knowing that there were people out there who knew a lot about this and had seen pretty much every kind of circumstance. So there was that. So I felt very grateful to towards Alzheimer's New Zealand. And as a consequence of our experience with mum and dad, which was basically over about eight years, um, I, I guess I'd come to see certain things about how people view Alzheimer's or dementia, how um, how I myself felt about the care of people, and it was a, it was a life changing experience because of um, what we what happened with mum and dad, and I wanted to I really wanted to talk about it to people, and I wanted to be able to do something um, concrete and positive in that space. And I had in some ways already gone there by writing um, the book, The ACB for Honora Lee, into which I guess I poured quite a lot of my nascent and explicit thoughts about how we look at the vulnerable and how we, how as a society we view people with an altered reality. I think that really comes through strongly in your writing. And I noticed in one of your blog posts um, that you've written for the Alzheimer's New Zealand website, you write, it seems true to say that the course of dementia is always the same, yet every person with dementia manifests it in a different way, and often in ways that speak to deep aspects of their personality. I thought that was really interesting. And I wondered if you could tell us a bit more about that. That was a huge revelation for me. And, and a good revelation, really, um, because it, it was a way of feeling that 
the person you've always known was still there showing themselves in different ways. And I had experienced that quite um, uh, entertainingly, I must say, with our grandmother, our maternal grandmother. I wrote about this in um, an early blog post um, who came to live with us when she was just starting to show signs of dementia when we were teenagers. And um, her uh, recurring activities had um, an invariable pattern and they absolutely spoke to um, things that have been dominant in her life. So one of her uh, repeated activities was to go out and check the washing on the line every 10 minutes to keep her very busy throughout the day. But I was intrigued by this and I knew um, a little bit about my grandmother's, or quite a lot actually, about my grandmother's working life. And she had been, as well as um, a hotelier's wife, um, and a big part of the working of the hotel in her early married life. She'd also been a boarding house proprietor for the war years in Wellington, and laundry was absolutely crucial to the smooth running of her household. So I could just see that that was something in her life that had made a deep impression on her, and it was an activity that she was very familiar with. And so that became one of her preoccupations when she was more or less sort of fading into dementia. And the same thing happened with um, my mother and father in different ways. Mum became mum's repeated activities were around the hymns that she was going to be playing on Sunday on the organ at mass, <laughs> and that had been a huge part of her life. And Dad was um, always interested in written matter and just seeing what was going on in the office at his care facility. And you know, so you could see you could see those those early people within what they were doing in, in their period of dementia. When we spent a lot of time in um facility where mum was, which was Santa Maria in Christchurch, mum was in, she was in secure care, um, but not hospital care at Santa Maria. And we, we came to know everyone in that part of Santa Maria so well. They felt like family, not just the other residents, but the staff and the families of the residents. And I, I, being a writer, I was just intrigued by every single person there and what um, was revealed about their lives from some of their repeated activities. And I found the staff's response to that so imaginative, so touching and gentle. And they, they, they were private. They, they respected people's privacy. But there was one delightful man um, who, whenever you came through the door after punching in the code, would say something along the lines of, are you the girl with the kettle? And he was a beautifully dressed man and very very sort of dapper. And I was just intrigued by that question. And because we'd been long accustomed to just going along with whatever someone else's reality was, I would say, yes, I am. And he'd say, well, could you please sign here? <laughs> and inevitably I wanted to find out what um, he had done. And he'd been a stock and station agent in his life. So I just thought that was both beautiful and revealing. And that's that, that was just one of my big insights, I guess, throughout um, our time with mum and dad. And it's something I wanted to um, 
to acknowledge in the story the ACB. I think that comes through and it's a big part of the story. For those that haven't read it, the ACB with Honor Lee, it tells the story of young Perry um, who reconnects with her grandmother who is living with dementia in a residential care facility. After sc- discovering that Honor loves the alphabet, she decides to create a new one to capture the world of the Santa Lucia rest home and the people that live and work there. It's a lovely story, and I think there's a there's quite a strong message in there about the need to take the time to live more in the present, um, especially with people living with dementia. Mm. Yeah, and and it's kind of related to that business of acknowledging that while someone living with dementia may seem to have disappeared in many ways, they are actually still there, and their still thereness doesn't depend on them knowing us. You know, um, they remain who they've always been, even when they lose their relationship or their memory of their relationship to us. That was a really strong feeling I had um, the whole time with mum and dad. And uh, I, w- I was often cross, I must say, although I was patient with people because I knew they didn't understand. And this, this included extended family members. One of the questions I got asked again and again, and my sisters too. And I, I realise I've been asked this all through my life in terms of um, people with dementia in our family. Um, people would say, does your mother still know you? Does your father still know you? Now, mum always knew us right till the end because her dementia actually wasn't that advanced. Um, but dad didn't. Um, and I felt impatient with that question because – if you said no, he doesn't, then people would think, oh, so sad. And, well, it was sad on some level. But they would then um, extrapolate from that to assume that dad wasn't who he had always been, that he'd gone, that he had no quality of life, that um, it was it was too tragic for him to be still alive. And I vehemently disagree with that. And that was something that I wanted to um, sort of explore in the ACB. And the the genesis of that book, I mean, in part, it was just all the um, incredibly um, deep and chaotic emotions that I'd felt in the time of mum's <clears throat> decline or her death and then with dad having it at the same time. My natural inclination was to want to write something about it. But I didn't want to write anything didactic. I wanted to I just wanted there to be a human story, and it seemed to me the obvious way to explore it was through a child because, Mm -hmm. number one, I'm a children's writer, and the child's worldview is very interesting to me, and it's probably a truism to say this, but um, a person living with dementia's reality and worldview has an enormous amount in common with a child's. Um, Both um, individuals or both cohorts, if you like, have much less agency in the world than the middle generation that looks after them. They're vulnerable. They see things differently. They have less control over their emotions and their desires. So, um, and it's a true it's a true thing in um, the vast body of children's literature over the last 150 years. Elderly people and children are natural allies in many, many stories. So I wanted to look at the experience of someone living with dementia, in care, through the eyes of a child who didn't know them very well but was intrigued by them. And uh, Perry, the girl in the story of the ACB, is an unusual child herself, and that gives her certain advantages over other people. She's, a, she's quite fearless and quite outspoken, 
and she has never known her grandmother because her grandmother's lived elsewhere and though it's not explicitly dealt with, it's clear that there's been a breach in the family between her grandmother and her grandmother's son, who is Perry's father. But now things have turned and Perry's father and mother are kind of um, the people who have the immediate um, responsibility for Honora. And, and Perry is an only child and she's longed for family. The parents are very busy and what you might call time-poor um middle-class people who, of course, love their child but in some ways are a little bit neglectful of her. And Perry determines that she wants to get to know her grandmother and, and have a have a sense of family. So she visits uh, Santa Lucia, which is, of course, a thinly disguised version of Santa Maria. She visits her grandmother every Thursday and convinces her parents that that's what she should do. And um, it's a, I, I guess the story is in, at its heart Perry learning about her grandmother, her, her altered grandmother, but also learning about her grandmother's past through some of the things that her grandmother does and says. And, you know, so a, a strong bond is formed. And she does something for her grandmother by making the ABC or the ACB as it becomes, because, of course, it's a chaotic ABC. I think it's lovely how they connect over the book and creating the the new alphabet. I love that that's like a, a connection between them and that's how, yeah, they what they kind of bond over. Yeah. And I think, you know, we are seeing a lot of evidence now that's kind of indicating quite strongly the benefits of creative practices, things like drawing, singing, dancing, people living with a range of neurological conditions, including dementia. And I, and I kind of wonder if it's because those activities, they do speak to those kind of deep aspects of the mm. of someone's personality that you were discussing in the blog. So I just, I was interested what your take on this was as a writer, really. Well, of course, as, as a writer and principally actually as a reader, um, I think that reading is good for all ages, stages, a story. Story is there for everyone at all points of their life. And it's both, um, it's a creative act to read or to listen to story because you're imagining as you do it. But it's also a great balm. And story is comforting at all stages of life because we are taken outside of ourselves and we're, we're stepping into other people's shoes, particularly in fiction. But we're also just hearing language and even if language has, you know, sentence structure, syntax has lost a lot of its meaning for people, there's still the joy of the sound and the sight of language. I mean, I really do think that words unattached to um, particular meaning are still beautiful things. They are their own music. So, I, I mean, I think I think reading it or being read to um, or poetry or singing quite vital things, quite vital creative activities in elderly people's lives and in people with neurological, different neurological realities. And the thing that's uh, one of the other sort of threads running through the ACB was as a consequence of something that struck me very profoundly whenever I would visit mum and mum herself, though there were so many processes and um, ordinary activities that she couldn't negotiate anymore. She still could play the piano. She could still sight read. So that was that was untouched right till the end. And she could still tell you, um, I'll never forget when she was in hospital in intensive care, um, she 
was lying there completely immobilized. She just had surgery. And there were lots of blinking machines and and sounds. And at one point there was a sound that went, da, da. It must have been one of the machines. And she just muttered, perfect fourth. She could, she could hear the music on that beeping. So that was something that stayed with her right till the end and singing and, and generally music. But lots of people um, in, in, in the place where she lived could still remember the lines of poetry or Christmas carols. It, it's off, we went and sang Christmas carols one year with them, and they could all remember all the verses of, you know, sundry Christmas carols. And we, when, you know, many of them didn't speak and, and or understand a lot of what was going on. So, I mean, I found that profoundly affecting and interesting. It was like, a, it was like an interesting puzzle and, again, a key to them and to their lives. And those things were singing was enormously cheering, and it was a shared experience as well. So, I mean, I think all levels of creative activity are just crucial in all people's lives. And that's the other thing, I guess. Just because you live with dementia, it doesn't mean that your life and all those things have ended. They go on until the end. Most of us are likely to be affected by dementia in some way at some point in our lives, you know, if we haven't already. Mm. And I wanted to ask you, Kate, as a champion for dementia, what would you like to see happening in New Zealand to support people living with dementia now and in the future? Well, first of all, I would I would like to see a massive education program. Um, this is notwithstanding all the amazing work that Alzheimer's New Zealand does. I want, first and foremost, for people to understand the complexity of dementia and not be afraid of it, um, because I think that's that's clear, that um, people are afraid to see people in an altered reality. I mean, you know, I come from a very big extended family and have been comforted and, you know, um, boosted by that family connection all my life. But it's true to say that many of my cousins and my aunts didn't want to see our mother and father in that state. It um, it troubled them. And they, they, of course, were extremely supportive of us. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not criticising them by saying that. I'm just aware of the reality of people's feeling towards people who are not like we feel we are anymore. And so I, I think there's a huge barrier to um, to get over in regards to people's feeling about people living with dementia. And I think that speaks to wider things in our culture. We're all, um, we're all confronted when we um, have dealings with people with mental health issues. I, mean, I think there's a great big problem there for people with mental health problems as well um, in terms of how they are received by others the stigma around it. So destigmatizing dementia and helping people to understand that people living with dementia are still there and are human. And I'm, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say people often don't feel like they're human. Um, people living with dementia does something else. So that's number one. I think alongside that, and these things are all interrelated, we pay our caregivers crap and you know it's been it's been minorly adjusted in the last three or four years but we need to honor the people who look after our our family members um who who live with dementia by paying them um proper 
uh, wages. I think it's terrible. And it's a wider societal problem that these people aren't um, acknowledged as essential to the community and rewarded in kind. So there's that. I think the caregivers and the people who run dementia care units are living saints. And, uh, I mean, that was one of the huge takeaways for me both when my grandmother was in care many years ago and when mum and dad were, I just couldn't have got through it without the knowledge of the, of the sort of love and concern around my parents. I felt complete trust and I was just so grateful, as I know my sisters were, for the care that they were given and the imaginative care that they were given. I mean, the way they, the way the caregivers concentrated on and, and tried to interpret what was going on with both my parents was just, it was marvellous. And I think, you know, more research into care, um, best practices, government funding for this kind of thing, um, government funding for facilities. I, I think we really need to see government comprehensively on board with this major sector of our society, people living with dementia, which is going to, only going to grow in the next 30 years, it has to become a number one priority with government, along with all their other number one priorities. It's really important. So all these things, I think, are interconnected. Yeah, I, I think we definitely agree with you there, Kate. Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. And before you go, I was hoping you could just tell us a bit about what you're working on at the moment. I'm writing a novel right now, um, which is always a slow process for me. And it's, I mean, interestingly, I guess I'm very interested in all my writing in people who, who we tend to turn into others, other, the other. In other words, people with mental health issues, people living with dementia, um, people who live slightly to the, to the side of society as we know it. And I'm writing about a young man who who meets up with people like this through his job as a pet minder. And it's a story set in Christchurch, which is where all my stories are set. I try to write other places, but it doesn't work <laughs> um, because it's deep in me, that landscape and cityscape. So, yeah, it's a, it's, I guess it's a novel about a 17-year-old boy at its heart and his process towards understanding himself in certain ways. A big thank you to Kate DeGoldie for joining us for today's episode. Kate is a wonderful writer and a beautiful storyteller. It's an honour to have her on board as one of our champions for dementia, alongside Colin Mathura Jeffrey and Dame Kerry Prendergast. Kate's book, The ACB with Honour Lee, is a lovely read and I would definitely recommend picking up a copy. A big thank you to you too for taking the time to be with us today. And if you're enjoying the Windows on Dementia podcast, subscribe on Spotify to be the first to hear about new editions. And please do help us by spreading the word. If you would like to share your story on a future episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch by going to alzheimers.org.nz, where you'll also find Kate's blog series and many other personal stories from New Zealanders affected by dementia. See you next time.